are smart and they may not be that pretty but they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the Ninian with views from the Ninian Not shoes from the Ninian, the view from the Ninian The view from the Ninian Hello Hiya Hiya, how are you? Hey, I'm good mate, how are you? I'm bloody wonderful Bloody Thank wonderful, you. how come? Oh, because the view from the Ninian's back. The view from the Ninian's back. The, the what? The view, sorry, the view from the Ninian. Which is what, sorry. Um, so the view from the Ninian was a stupid boy project started yes. by, I think it was Ben James and Adam Davis. Yes, familiar, in, familiar with them. From Cardiff family. back in about 2010. Is yeah. that right? That sounds about right. Let me hang on, on Wikipedia. Yeah, it? Wikipedia, because we, we are on Wikipedia. Um, um, v from the Ninian. N I N I A N. Shard. No, no, V from the Ninian. Yes. Is it there? Yes. I found a Twitter feed. Oh, okay, that's probably it. At view from the Nin. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Ben James, Adam Davis, 2010, podcast Cardiff City-related shenanigans. Oh, and I've heard it's back. It's bloody back. And with the original presenters, Adam Davis, Ben James. Yes, hi there. Hi, even with the original jingle, which we didn't even know where we found that. Ardy Collins. Ardy Collins wrote that. Shout out to Ardy Collins, wherever you are in the world. And what, yeah, back not back in black. Not uh, back in black, back, back in blue. Back in back in blue. Because I think I believe the last time we did this was five we years ago. We've just gone red. We've just yeah. gone red. Like the communists. Like we had, and we like like the communists and Jeremy Corbyn, we yes. realised it was a bad idea. Yes. So uh, we went back to blue. Oh wait, that's uh, the Tories aren't. We're, no, we're apolitical, yeah. aren't we? Whoa, yeah. Let's, let's not get down that. This is not have I got news for you. This isn't Ian Hislop is not here, unfortunately. <laughs> He's editing private eye. Um, but we're back. We are indeed, um, and excited to be here. Excited to be here indeed. We are recording this, um, not in our usual studio, because no. we don't have access to that anymore because it was five years ago. We, we have, we've, we've moved out of the beautiful city of, of Cardiff and moved into a new locale. A, new, a private location, so please don't come and try and find us. We have to keep it secret for many, many reasons. But the maybe stalkers would not leave Ben alone, so uh, we will not be revealing details of where we're recording this other than just to confirm that it is not in Cardiff. It's not in Cardiff. Um, so yeah... Out. Sad, yeah. how are you? I'm well. Um, I'm well. I've got a relatively fresh new haircut, yeah, which, I, see which I'm quite excited I about. I can confirm that it's fresh. I have had I've had a lot of a lot of feedback on this haircut so far. What's the, um, what what are your top three? Top three. Um, one comment was um, wow, you really have a lot of head. Um, <laughs> you do have a lot of head. <laughs> Another, another comment was, oh, I can really see your ears, and... Yep. Um, can confirm, lovely The ears. final one, which has actually been ratified by several people, is, you look a bit like the Welsh actor, Luke Evans. Who's Luke Evans? Welsh actor. What's he in? Welsh actor. Oh. Uh, he's the star of The Hobbit, and he plays Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, La I haven't Beast. seen either of those films. Okay, great. He, um, I'll, I'll Google it. I mean, you. you're handsome, so Thank you, I presume he's handsome. We've got matching six packs. Well, uh, while Adam Googles who Luke Evans is to show me and not show anyone at home, yeah, you do look like Luke Evans. Thanks. Um, we've just got a jam-packed podcast for you, the first of the Premier League season. 
What a start to the season it was. What a start to the season <laughs> it was. And we've, we've actually got a couple of exclusives for you. Um, they'll be revealed in, in due time. But we've also got the return of your favourites, Optimism Pessimism Corner, Champ and Chump of the Week, and some new features as well, such as Kumas Corner. Oh, yes. Adam's very excited about Kumas yes. Corner. He stayed up all night watching Jason Kumas videos, of which there are one. That's true. Although that is just sort of par for the course for a for a weeknight. Yeah, when he's not. That's how I get my jam? My jollies. <laughs> how do you get my jam? My jam. That's how I get the jam. Um. So I guess what? Where should we go next? Well, I think we should uh, we should probably pop over to uh, see what Neil Warnock has to has to say about things. What the actual Neil? The actual, we've got the actual Neil Warnock in the uh, in the studio. Neil, come on in, my friend. How you doing, boys? Oh, lovely to have you here. Quite the honour. Well, you're, you're a great bunch of lads. And, uh, you know, I always say I love me lads and I just thought I'd come in and see a great bunch of lads. Do you have... Um, thank you, firstly, Neil. We are a great bunch of lads, as you are also. Do you have anything particular you would like to talk to us about today? I don't know if you want to touch upon the uh, defeat on the weekend or whether you'd rather focus on the potential optimism that we're awaiting this season. Well, uh, well lads, listen, I mean, no, no one gave us hope on Saturday, did they? Eh? Eh? Going down to Bournemouth, no one gave us hope. And, uh, you know, they're a great bunch of lads. And they, they put their all in for me. And I said to them after the game, I said to them, I said, I said, lads, you're a great bunch of lads and you've really... Put it in for me there, but you, you're unlucky in defeat. But you know, we were so close, eh? Sean Morrison, eh? If only he could get his leg up a bit higher, eh? <coughs> he would have scored there to make it 1 0. But you know, you know, we're looking forward to Saturday, my God. The lads are looking forward to Saturday, and they're a great bunch of lads. And uh, Saturday's going to be a big game, big game. No one gives us up, and uh, we're going to, uh, you know, we're just going to put in a good shift for the lads. Wow, thank you. Insightful as ever, Neil. Um, Neil, do you have any. Do you have any questions for 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 Ben that you would uh, you'd like to you'd like to ask? No. No. Okay. Uh, ben and, and Neil, would you like to have any form of a conversation uh, right now? Um, Neil. Neil's left. Um, Neil's, Neil's. Thanks left. for popping in, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Um, it was really really good for him to take time out of schedule to come and visit. He's a great lad, though, isn't he? Much obliged. Much obliged, uh, Neil. So I yeah. guess. Can you war knock him? Can you war knock him? Considering you, you were at Bournemouth. Great bun. Thanks very Thank much, you. mate. Um, that yeah. kept me busy all night. Um, it took me three hours to write that poem. To war knock that out, you might say. That's you right. were war knocking it out all night. Listen, Adam, don't be coarse. It's a masturbation joke. So um, you, you were at Bournemouth. I was at Bournemouth, yes. Um, Talk us through. Give us your, your potted review. Potted review. So, early start. Yeah. Um... Not to the game, 3pm, standard kickoff time for a Saturday. Uh, not necessarily in a Premier League, though, these days with Friday fixtures, Sunday fixtures, Monday, Monday fixtures. Um, not Thursday. Not Thursday yet. But will um, be one day. No doubt. Um, so you're on the train to Bournemouth? On the train to Bournemouth. Did um, you have one beer? I had a few beers pre-match. Obviously, like the rest of the travelling support fan, the nearest Weatherspoons to the station, mm-hmm. settled down, hunkered in for a, for a late morning of drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we, we, we had several delicious jars of alcohol, mm-hmm. lager beers and whatnot, maybe even a Jägerbomb. Prior I've to... heard of a Jägerbomb. What's a Jägerbomb? It's, um, it's, a, it's a heady mix of... Uh, 
of Jaeger and Bomb. It's really quite the delight. Um, so, what kind of bomb? Um, a, 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 edible? No, drinkable? Listen, <laughs> we're getting stuck on the Jaeger bomb. Let's talk so, about uh, So, went down to, I want to call it Dean Court then. Uh, went down Is that to, what it used to be called? I'm pretty sure it was. It's the Vitality now, isn't it? it went down to the Vitality. Lovely, lovely ground. Uh, just opposite a cricket pavilion. Um, Bournemouth's an interesting place. Uh, less said about that, the better. Is it a two-horse town? There may have been three horses, um, but there were horses. Um, Harry Redknapp's one of them. Indeed. Lives in um, Stanbanks. He does. Uh, just off the pool. Uh, oh, geography. Lovely. Um, so Would you recommend pool for holiday? <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Mainly, if we, if we do such a good job in this bit, the Bournemouth uh, Tourist Board, tourist board yeah. will sponsor us. Yes, it would seem an unlikely combination. Why? Bournemouth Tourist Board sponsoring a Cardiff City-themed podcast. But... but Strange things, Strange things have happened. Um, and you need to, like, you know, why would the Bournemouth Tourist Board want to get people from Bournemouth there? We're, we're speaking to people from Cardiff, South Wales. Yes. They would want yeah. to come you've, to Bournemouth. You've sunk my battleship. I've sunk your battleship. You've proved quite like Bournemouth did to us on Saturday. Yes. Very well segued. Thank you very much. I feel I've been we were rambling somewhere. This <laughs> um, is like the old days, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, Ramshackle. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the game itself was, um, I don't think, hugely dissimilar to what we might have expected. Um, I appreciate that this should be more focused on Neil Warnock, so let's, as this is Can You Warnock Him Corner, is it a corner? Um, can be a corner. <laughs> Everything's a corner. Everything's a corner on the beautiful. How many corners have we got? Um, Four. <laughs> <laughs> Just reuse some of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think... The biggest question around Saturday's game was Warnock's decision on who should start the game. Um, it you, felt like he was trying to be faithful to yeah. the to the to the little boys. So on that note, would you have then preferred to see perhaps Joshy Murphy start instead of Nathaniel Mendesi Lange? Oh well, um, perhaps because that was just one of the a few I people think, picked out. Yeah, I think I think. Murphy came on and added a dynamism to our game that we didn't have. Did a bicey? He did, he did. I thought that bicey was in. I'd love to see him score a bicey. He he didn't. Um, I think think Murphy added the dynamism that we were lacking prior to him coming on. I think Mendes Lang actually looked all right. Uh, Mm -hmm. The few chances that he had to isolate the Bournemouth left back, Daniels, uh, not Paul. um, Charlie. Charlie. he looked good. He, he took him on and his pace, his pace got him past him. He created a couple of half chances. I think Hoylet was actually... Oh. Hoylet was actually... Is he a bit toilet? <laughs> um, he was... Um, he was... He was average, I would say. Mm-hmm. I'd give him a solid six on ten. Do you, do you read too much into these first games? Not you personally, but do people read too much into the first game of the season? Uh, well, I feel like I have I have my feelings on it. So that's what I ask you for sure. And then uh, I can give my feelings. We, I can it. roll out the cliche about it. Information it's, it's, you know, it's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's all about the journey. You know, we'll uh, we might lose a few. We'll upset a few. We'll ruffle a few feathers along the way. Um, but yeah, I think I think obviously away from home. 
we're not expected to pick up many points this no. season. I think, and we're, we're already sort of uh, hitting on the cusp of pessimism corner here, but mm-hmm. it does feel like we might struggle to pick up many points this season at home and away. Um, certainly if we continue to turn in the sort of display that we turned in for the first 45 minutes at the very least. Uh, but we were better in the second half, right? We were, we were improved <laughs> in the second half, much improved when Murphy was introduced and when Reed was dropped back to number 10. Do you think... So last season, we, we kind of had a trend of having pretty rubbish first halves. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, Neil Warnock would put a rocket up them and they'd come out and the game would turn. I think there was... Off the top of my head, there was the Nottingham Forest at home game. Um, there were a few examples of this. Mm. Do you think that kind of thing might cost us this year? A slow start? I think there's, there's, there's obviously a big step up in quality um, in terms of premiership teams are much more clinical. Yes. So I don't think Bournemouth created a lot of chances. I think we're relatively defensively sturdy. Mm-hmm. The challenge that, that we will see this season is that teams, even as kind of, even as, even with firepower that isn't the likes of Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, even teams like Bournemouth are, are far more clinical than we are. So they took the half chances mm-hmm. that otherwise the teams that maybe in the Championship wouldn't have taken. So I think if we do make those slow starts and we do give. Uh, the opposition, those half chances, there is every uh, possibility that we will uh, face the repercussions of it. And that's relegation. And that is relegation, but we're getting relegated, so that's kind of... So it's okay, I've accepted it. Is that, is that your prediction, that we're getting relegated? Yes. You don't think there's any way we can I stay up? I don't think there you is. You are an, an, a normally pessimistic soul, I so am I'm a, taking this with a pinch of a, a halon salt. I'm a terrible pessimist. I'm a, I, if, we, if we stay up, then great. Mm-hmm. Um, based on Saturday's performance alone, we will do well not to finish rock bottom. Okay. Feels like a harsh assessment. Well, it's probably a good time then to get into Optimism Pessimism Corner ahead of Newcastle this weekend. Yes. I'll leave the gap here for the jingle Great. that I then need to find. Which is that's convincing. And then... So, as usual, Optimism Pessimism Corner, uh, we take our respective corners. I sit in Optimism, which currently is on the back of a unicorn... Uh, in 30 degree heat under a rainbow that's pouring gold over me, while Adam is over there in Pessimism Corner where there are 19 cobwebs. Yes. Um, what else is there, Adam? Uh, there is just a general sense of morbidity and blackness that is reflective of my inner soul. And what colour is that? Uh, pink. Oh. Yes. Quite flamboyant. Thank you. Um, so who wants to go first? Should we, should we flip a coin? Uh, sure. Flip. <laughs> That was a metaphorical flip of a coin. Yeah, I was waiting for the coin to land. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, Adam, do you want to go first? Sure. You can carry on your trend as you were yeah. kind of getting into it then. So I think I'll leave the floor to you for this and then I'll respond. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ben James. Um, I think we, we've already touched upon it, but it's difficult to look beyond the fact that this is going to be a season of turmoil, a season of loss after loss after loss. 
a, a debilitating season that is going to crush everybody's spirit, everybody's hopes and dreams for the future. I think that we have recruited poorly in the summer. We've signed championship players to supplement a championship level squad with a championship manager, not the game. Um, and I think we're going to really struggle to rack up more than nine points in the coming season. I would be surprised if we don't reach some sort of record, so at least we will win something. We will, uh, we will have uh, the notoriety of having the lowest ever points tally accumulated in the history of the Premier League. And that largely boils down to uh, Neil Warnock and the failure that he is and the failure that he continues to be. It was a failure getting us promoted in the first place. Uh, if he knew, if he knew what, what was right for him, he would have kept us down there where we belonged. He wouldn't have even dared to dream of promotion. It's all about knowing your level, and our level is mid-table championship with mid-table championship players. And if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm touching upon optimism here, because when we get relegated, we will be back where we belong, and we can have a much better season next season. But for the here and now, it's naught but doom and gloom. Don't smile at me <laughs> after you said that. That's not how this works. Isn't it? Well, that's quite a return to form for you. Thank you very that, much. I think that was one of your better optimism rants, yeah. Uh, pessimism rants, sorry. I mean, it was quite po po was positive. Was it convincing? Um, were you convinced that we're a championship club no. destined for a return to the championship <clears throat> when we play even Newcastle United this weekend? I don't know why I did their name in inverted commas. Newcastle United, because they're going to beat as well, Ben, and it will be our first home loss. Everyone keeps clinging on to this hope that we're going to win all of our home games, but no, no castle. <laughs> Sorry. Finished? Yes. Cheered up yet? No. It's your job to cheer me yeah, up. Yeah, it's my job to cheer you up. Right, where to begin? I think we begin at the start of last season when we were just a simple championship football team. We'd signed some players. Sure, Nathaniel Mendes-Lang and Neil Etheridge came in on a free, and Lee, Lee Tomlin was looking a bit tubby. But we signed some players, and no one gave us a hope. And yet, by the end of the season, despite a, a mid-season run that was pretty woeful and full of managing to go 412 games <laughs> without a loss, we finished on 90 points and got promoted to the Premier League. Even though we were, what, 33-1 to to get into the playoffs? 33-1? And I think, over the summer, Warnock has done exactly the right thing. Fulham spent £100 million, £120 million in the transfer window, but that's not us. We're this fighting, dog-tough team that have come out of nowhere to make it to the Premier League. And I think that's going to get us through this season. I'm optimistic that when Saturday comes, Newcastle's... Iosi Perez and Salomon Rondon will struggle against Sean Morrison, Bruno Equilemanga and Sol Bamba playing his first ever Premier League season, despite seemingly been around for about 15 years now. And I think we've got players who want to prove themselves. You've got Bobby Reid, who whenever he played against Man United or Man City last year, people said he was a Premier League player in waiting. Oh, as soon man. as we sign him, oh, he's not good enough. 
Josh Murphy has spent pre-season putting the shits of anyone he plays. And he came on and made the difference against Bournemouth. You give him a start, then we'll see what happens. And I think you've got someone like Kenneth Zahor, who hasn't been the most consistent player, but he'll find his feet at Premier League level because he's so bloody scary when he runs at you. And I think Saturday comes, Newcastle will be against the full house at the Cardiff City Stadium, expectant, and I think we'll deliver that first home win of 10 that we need to get to our 30 points. And then a couple of draws on top of that. And I think we're going to surprise. Ten to get to thirty points, and then you get nine draws, takes you to thirty-nine. That's about the magic number to stay up this year. And I think we'll surprise. Is that people. verified? Uh, not on Twitter. No, it's not on okay. Um But it's getting there. It's applied. It's going to come in. Great the news. And I just think we have to look at this season as something that was unexpected, something that Warnock delivered to us, despite the whole world being against him, because everyone hates Neil Warnock. Not me. I like him. And I think we, 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 you know, we can't expect too much, but I think we can be hopeful that we'll stay up. I don't think the Premier League is that good. Yeah, Man United, Man City, well, Man United aren't that good. Man City, very good. Liverpool, very good. Arsenal, Chelsea, they've all got potential to be very good. Tottenham as well. Man United and uh, Jose Mourinho, I'm pretty sure he'd rather see them relegated just to prove a point about his transfers than anything else. And then you look at the other teams in the league, you know, they're... There's some good teams there, but Brighton, Burnley, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Bournemouth, Bournemouth Newcastle. But on, on a day-to-day, on a week-to-week basis, how much better than us are they? Um, Go on. I would argue significantly, Ben. But why? Because this is a season that will be epitomised by having our dreams crushed. I think you're by wrong. By mediocre... Premier League teams. I think you're wrong. I think our dreams are going to fly. I yearn for my days of yesteryear, i.e. Friday night, where I felt very excited about the oncoming season. And then, lo and behold, Neil Warnock announces his starting eleven, and it all came crashing down. It's one game. There are 37 to go. You said it yourself. What I said... It's a marathon, not a sprint. We're playing this game, but now I need to make points that back up the point I'm making now. It's called being a hypocrite. <laughs> well, you can't be a hypocrite in football. We all are. It's just normal <laughs> behaviour. But I think we're going to stay up. I think I'm going to be optimistic. We're going to beat Newcastle at the weekend, maybe 2-0. I think we're going to... You know, that will change the whole spirit of the team. I think we'll be, you know, sat in mid-table with three points. Oof. Look at the heady heights of maybe 12th or 13th. Bold. And I think, you know, everyone looks at Fulham, everyone looks at Wolves and going, yeah, they spent a lot of money to be here and that kind of thing. But I think we can show this year that being at the top table doesn't require you to spend a lot of money. And even if we go down, we'll keep the core of our squad and we'll bounce straight back up and then we'll be like Burnley. We'll be in Europe in three seasons' time. If we're staying up, though, Ben, who's going down? What, from the Premier League? Yes. Uh, Fulham, <laughs> Wolves, and okay. Huddersfield. Wow, that, they are three interesting choices. No, I, I don't know. I honestly think this... If you look at the, the Championship and this year's Premier League, they're the tightest the leagues have been in a long time. If you look at you know, what's happening in the Championship, Derby, where everyone's fa- almost pre-season favourites, and they got slammed at home 4-1 by Leeds. Stoke have spent a lot of money but aren't firing an Austin Lenders yet, and I think the Premier League in the bottom half is much of a muchness. Like... Newcastle haven't signed particularly well. They've not really strengthened their team beyond what they had, apart from maybe Salmon Rondon. I think Salmon. 
if you look at what Brighton have spent quite a lot of money, but they haven't, you know, they've have they really enhanced their squad beyond what they had? Well, they lost the opening game, didn't exactly. they? Exactly, and like if you look at even teams like Burnley, now I like Burnley, and I think they're the model of everything we should be looking for. But if they're going off to Europe, they have quite a small squad. They operate in a similar way to what Warnock does, with a you know a small group of players playing the majority of the games. That European adventure, if they end up in say the second or third round of that that competition, could could knock them in the Premier League. And I think Huddersfield are are they that much better than us when we played them in the the season they got promoted, we beat them twice. They didn't look anything other than ordinary. And now, yes, they had a good season last year, but they only finished 17th. And again, they haven't really strengthened their team too far beyond the next level, I don't think. And I think if there's sort of six or seven teams who are probably going to be vying for that bottom six or seven places. And I think if we can just get a couple of good results over those six or seven teams... If we can put ourselves in, a, say, 15th, 14th around Christmas time, I don't think there's any reason why we can't then go into January, get another striker in because bloody hell we need one, and then push on. And that's just my honest opinion. Is it your honest opinion or is it not? <laughs> it's my honest opinion okay. and I've won. So let me... Okay, let me think. You've made a... You've made... You, you know, credit where it's due. You have made a convincing argument I think there's only one way to settle this and uh, we need to ask Gary Medine what he thinks and luckily he's just come on in Gary why do I bet I was at going to deal how you doing Gary it's lovely to be back here in this nondescript location Gary tell me when you were banging it in for Bolton at the start I, of last season... I love banging it in! Did you ever envisage that you would end up playing in the Premier League six months later? Why, I, man, no, I never thought I could play football at that level. And so I was really right chuffed when I came off that bench on Saturday for my Premier League debut and had a lovely time running around. And did you... What did you think of the Premier League football? What did you make I of the quality? that the quality were... Not from Bristol. <laughs> the quality was really quite goodly. I thought that Bournemouth played quite well, and I thought that we played alrightly. But we played a bit alright better when I came on the pitch and I ran around for a bit. Although I was a bit underwhelmed by the Bournemouth stadium because it's really small. It is a small stadium. Do you think you know you'll perform better when you're? on a stage like the Emirates or Old Trafford, do you think that's when you'll really come alive, Gary? I think that's when I will score my first goals for Cardiff City League, a hat-trick at the Emirates Stadium. And do you want, should we have a wager on that? Do you think that's really going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I play in the games, I'm not allowed to bet. Oh, of course you're not. Sorry, Gary, didn't need to... I wasn't trying to get you in trouble, Oh, do not question my integrity, Ben. I will, Adam, have you got any questions for Gary? Gary, who do you think uh, who do you think wins, optimism or pessimism? <clears throat> it's a great, great question. Thank you, Adam. Um, I think at the end of the day, when all is said and done, and I've considered all points, both really good, rational arguments, I'm going to have to lean on the side of optimism. And um, is that because you're an optimistic sort, Gary, or? I know I'm a terrible pessimist, but I feel like the fans out there need something to believe in. And in what we trust, 
Brilliant. Anything else you want to add to that, Gary? Or, I mean, I know you've got to get back to start banging in goals. I've got to get back, but ah, uh, no, nothing to add. I've just had a little thought. <laughs> That's so, a funky Gary Medina there. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. See you later, later, Gary. Say goodbye bye, to bye. Gary Adam. Bye, Gary. Bye. Oh, bye. Lovely. lovely for him to stop by. He's a he's a he's a he's a bloke. A lovely bloke. He is a lovely bloke. Oh, he had no with... idea he was from Newcastle. Nor did I, actually. Um, that was an interesting turn for the books. It was an interesting turn for the books. Um, I thought he was from Cumbria. Uh, all up north, isn't it, really? It is, to be honest, once you get past Watford. Um, merge together. So let's use that Gary Medina interview as a kind of segue into a chat about the transfer window. Yes. So, <coughs> last game, you know, got a lot of our business done early. Signed yes. those four players before the end of July. Yes. Uh, Smithies, Bobby Reed, Joshy Murphy... Cunningham. Greg Cunningham, isn't it? Yes. Greg Cunningham. I always forget his first name. Greg. And then we signed two lovely players on the final day. Victor Camarasa, handsome yes. chap from Spain. And Harry Arter, handsome chap from Bournemouth. Um, did you see that photo of them? They played against each other in a pre-season friendly the week before they signed for us? I did not. Well, they bloody did, Adam. Wow. And you couldn't find the photo on the internet. Is that, was that Warnock's uh, last-minute transfer policy? Sounds like it. They yeah. play against you. They'll do. They'll do. They'll do. Are you happy with the business overall? Um, so taking off my pessimism cap, throwing it to the pessimism corner where it belongs, um, <laughs> and that was it landing. Um, I think, as you touched upon, in optimism corner, mm-hmm. they are sensible, certainly the first four were sensible signings to supplement the squad. Hungry, eager players, driven to prove themselves at the higher level. Uh, who fit in with that team spirit yeah. that, that Warner tries to engender. Smells like team spirit. Smells like team spirit, indeed. And so I think they will they will add a, a, an extra dimension of quality to the squad, certainly from what we saw of Murphy's cameo. And also Bobby Reed, I thought, was arguably, other than little Joey Rouse, Arguably our best How player. How good is little Joey Riles, though? He's, 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 he's transformed into quite a player. He really has blossomed. He is everywhere. Um, but Bobby Reed, his first touch is what really impressed me. Mm-hmm. His positivity, his drive to get forward. There were some really nice touches, uh, link-up plays between him and Josh Murphy. So it's nice that there's that yeah. understanding. I think if we can get Zahora back into the team uh, and he has that same understanding with them, then yes, I think those two in particular could be very good signings. Cunningham's more of a puzzling one, uh, given that I think um, Bennett is probably our best defender. Yeah. Uh, feels like it's more of a, a backup signing. I think so. Um, Do you think that's <clears throat> obviously in the Premier League? You, you kind of need you need a, you need two players in every position. Exactly. And I think you know we have Peltier and Richards on the right, but after Bennett, we didn't really have a player to cover no. for him and we saw Manga playing kind of like uh, as a de facto left and right back at certain points last season do you think that and we got him for what four million pounds I think it was less yeah. than that I think he'll, I think he'll prove I think he'll prove to be a good signing and as you say it's, it, it's just about filling out the squad yeah. I think you've touched upon an interesting point regarding the right backs because that is the area where we do look weakest despite having both Peltier and Richards there Peltier Really did look a little bit. Yeah, got booked in three minutes. Today, yeah, which I I was pleased about because I love a player. Idol scans don't he? So he he just looked a little bit out of his depth, certainly in the first half. Do you think uh, Ashley, aka Jazz Richards, will 
secede, to, you know, secede in the future. He's been terribly unlucky during his tenure so far. I mean, considering he's been at the club for what two years now, mm-hmm. um, barely featured, had a lot of injuries. It's, it's, it's a show of faith from Warnock that he's kept him in the squad and he didn't sign anyone else in the summer to kind of replace him, as it were. Because you, I, you know, I, I think Jazz Richards when he played against uh, Belgium in that qualifier for the Euros. He kept Eden Hazard out of the game. And that's, that shows what he can do. Do you think if he can then get a run in the team, he will become our first choice right back ahead of Peltier? I would. Did I just ask that question? You've you, you just asked it, yeah. I, oh, no, I thought I repeated myself. Deja vu. Yeah. Um, Deja vu. Very um, good. Deja vu from the Nidian. Yes! <laughs> Boom! Um, I would like to think so. Um, Partially from a sort of Welsh partisan point of view, nice to see a local boy getting some game time. I also think that he probably has a bit more about him in terms of uh, pace and agility. Um, Peltier was getting turned inside out uh, by Fraser, who, to be fair, yeah. had a great game. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it remains to be seen. But if he can stay injury-free and get that run in the team, then hopefully he proves to be the answer that we need it right back. If not, we are in dire straits. Well, well, I mean, Manga can do a job there, right? Manga can do a job there. I thought Manga, again, had a good game on Saturday. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard all the, the, the chatter. Yeah, the, the chatter, the chit-chatter, the, I think. The word on the street was that Manga was uh, pretty awesome. He was, he was pretty awesome. Um, I think the challenge that Warnock has is how he fits all of his preferred central yeah. defenders into the same team. Because, I mean... No fault of Sol Bambas, but he is not a defensive midfielder. He looked out of place last season. And yeah. On Saturday, he was just exposed for being out of his depth in that position. Um, and the, the the partnership with him and Morrison last season was was rock solid. Do you, do, do you think that then the preferred choice is going to be Bamber and Morrison at the back, with perhaps Gunnison and Arter in front of him, or I, Arter and Rouse, Gunnison yeah. and Rouse, whoever he plays? Yeah, I think so. I think he'd probably stick to... It seemed like Warnock's preferred centre-back pairing last season was uh, Bamba and, and Morrison, mm-hmm. sometimes playing Manga at right-back. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he prefers to do that or plays a back five with all th- accommodating all three centre-backs, uh, potentially then putting somebody like Mendes Lang as a, a de facto right yeah. back uh, that might answer some questions about pace. That makes me uneasy. It makes me terribly uneasy. Um, but there's, who knows? There's, there's, there's potential there. And I think in terms of the midfield, it's, you can't really drop Rals. Um, he'd probably, given Arthur's experience at this level, he'd probably get the nod over Gunnarsson. I think Patterson needs to come out of the team. He was another one that was really? running around a bit like a, a headless chicken. Uh, well, would you not? Would you not put him at right back? Would you put him as like a? a de facto right back because he is a right back by trade well, and yeah. I think he's got that attacking instinct that it's an interesting question I mean what do you think given that Warnock has kind of publicly stated that he's not a right back can you backtrack on that I don't I don't really take what Warnock says in public at a serious level yeah. because I think he's I think he's a bit like Mourinho I think you know they're, they're quite they're, they're two distinctly different managers in their kind of attitude but I think they have a lot of similar traits in the sense that Mourinho is very good at playing that public persona and then doing something different behind the scenes you know like Luke Shaw is a prime example and I think he was just trying to 
GM Luke Shaw. And I can imagine that when Warnock said that, he wasn't saying that because he genuinely believes that Patterson can't defend. It's just that he's having a bit of a joke with the press and I think he's just trying to maybe push Patterson to improve that area of his game. And I think maybe in the Premier League it's the wrong time to try it. But I think, <laughs> I think Patterson is... I think Patterson's one, one or two years away from genuinely becoming a really good all-rounder in a sense that he could be... You know, he could be a wing back, he could be a right back, he could play centre half. I think if you push him to it, he could clearly play defensive midfield. But he's clearly got an attacking edge that pushes him up. And I wouldn't be surprised if he could do a job at striker because he always wins headers and he's got an instinct yeah. that other other players don't have. And I just think it's really bizarre that we've got a player like him because they don't really exist in football anymore. There's not many players out there who can fulfil four or five Utility, positions. man. Exactly. It's like a, a modern-day Rory Delap. Oh, yes. <laughs> but then you think, then, if we, if we look at the transfer window, and yeah. the last day, and what, you know, what Warnock said back in July, that he was thinking that a striker would be his missing piece, do you yes. think that's where we will fall down? Do you think Bobby Reid is, is a striker? I Do you think, think we should have signed another striker? I think yes. We should have signed another striker. Um, I don't think that um, I don't think that the backups that we've got to big old Ken really give me much. Good uh, job, Gary Medina's uh, left. Did he's he left now, wasn't he? Uh, he's back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's yeah. I think I think we need more backup in that area. I think it's it's worthwhile giving Ken a go to see if he can do it. Uh, I don't think. I don't think Bobby Reed is an out-and-out no. number nine. I think he definitely looked better when he dropped a bit deeper and could pick the ball up in deeper positions and run. He's got a great touch. Uh, he looks dynamic. Would um, you play him as like a... To, to dwell on this, like as, as a withdrawn... So if you had like a three, which tends to be the way we play, would you have Murphy one side and then perhaps Bobby Reed as like a withdrawn attacker on the other side? Potentially, I think. I'm trying to figure out how he fits into think, our system. I think the, the the way of doing it is it, the way that Warnock's probably thought about doing it is the back four, uh, two sitting midfielders, the likes of Rawls and Arthur or Gunnarsson, then potentially Bobby Reed in the Callum Patterson role, um, and the the, the front, front three. three. Yeah. And where does Camarasa fit into that? It's another great question. Um, it's, it's weird. It is, because like I said, I'm not quite sure. I don't know much about Camarasa and what sort of role he tends to he, fulfill. I, he's got rave reviews from Spain. He's a ball carrying midfielder. He's quite. He likes to pass. He's quite dynamic. He likes to bring the ball forward. It's, mm. it's weird because I think when you look at the the opener, and this is probably the, the problem, the only position we don't really have. A, you know, we have Kenneth Sahor, who's obviously going to be our first choice striker, and then we don't really have a a like-for-like like player behind him and that's not you know Gary Medine could be that we just haven't seen enough of Gary Medine I don't think I don't think he's really impressed uh, upon us his kind of abilities at the moment but when you look at the rest of the squad there are genuine options in each position which is what I think Warnock should be praised mm-hmm. for after this transfer window we've got two at right back we've got a number of choices across the back in the centre two at left back we've got three or four players who can play in that hole in the midfield Patterson who can play anywhere a couple of wingers on each side and I think that's that's to be. That's an encouraging sign to me from the transfer window that we have Absolutely. a genuine squad there, and I think, and that's not even including people like Pilkington um, and Tomlin who have been left out, yeah. and who can forget Stuart O'Keefe? <laughs> who can forget Stuart? I've forgotten Stuart O'Who. Stuart O'Leaf. Please. And what do you make of that? What do you make of Kadeem Harris getting a nod in the Premier League squad? He's 
Well, I mean, he's been at the club for what? Yeah, he's been. He's halfway to a testimonial, I think. Around, he's been there around as long as Joe Rouse, hasn't he? Um, I've got the internet in front of me. I'm great news. So I think I think it's a good opportunity for him. One that clearly rates him. Do you think he, he'll get much game time? I think he will be used as uh, as a backup to to um, Hoylet, Murphy, and Mendes Lang. So he's very much the fourth choice winger. So, uh, Kadeem Harris is three fifths three fifths of his way to a testimonial. Wow. Six years at the club. Wow. That is... Uh, he must be our longest serving player. Apart from Rouse. I think we maybe had Gunnison a little bit. Gun- Gunnison, Gunnison signed in 2011, yeah. Because okay. Gunnison signed Marky's first year. Yes, and, and Rouse signed that year as well. Mm. From Farnborough. Farnborough, yeah. Um, little Joey Rouse. Little Jad Rouse. Little Joe Rouse. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think you touched... You've hit the nail on the head when you said earlier that he is filling the team with genuine competition in every position. And even though you could argue that we were signing championship quality players, it does then put us in a strong position should the inevitable happen and we get relegated. Um, Should we sort of find ourselves in the championship next season, we will have a very strong squad where we won't have to offload any expensive signings like Stephen Corker or Gary Minet. Yeah, it's it's interesting really, isn't it? Because I think we haven't spent two... two when we went up in that, that first time, we spent about 40 million quid, didn't we? We signed Cornelius for 9 million, Medell for 11 million, Corker for about 10 million. Yeah. And we haven't. We probably spent. I was having Tiofei Caterine. But he was a, a couple of million quid. Yeah. And it's just, I, is that because the the nature of the transfer window at the moment is means that no one actually knows what good value for a player is because you've got teams like Nottingham yeah. Forest who are spending sixteen million pounds mm. on players in the championship. Last summer we had a seventeen million pound bid for Kenneth Sahore. And now if you're you know when you look at what Fulham have done, there's absolutely no way those players would have been worth £120 million pounds five years ago, mm. maybe even three years ago. And is, is that just the state of play at the moment? You know, we've spent so. very sensibly, yeah. but just in the grander scheme of things, it just feels a yeah. lot less. I think there are probably three factors at play. Number one. Numero uno, yes. I think people, clubs have lost all sense of perspective over what a transfer fee should be these days. I think factor number two is... It feels like across the board in the Premier League this season, the early close of the transfer window has thrown a few teams and they've just not been... I think the the late finish with the World Cup, a lot of players and agents being unavailable, um, I think it's just completely completely thrown a lot of teams. And then factor number three, I think probably Mr Tan had his fingers burned last time out and so was probably just unwilling to splash the cash in the same way and wanted a more uh, considered transfer approach you, from Warnock. Do you think... He had his fingers burnt, right? But do you think... If, if you take Cornelius out of the equation last time, because he was the transfer that uh, Tan has always had the biggest bugbear with, right? Because mm-hmm. he wanted a... You don't sign a project. the World Cup. <laughs> but he's gone on to... You know, and I think he's justified a little bit of Marky's approach to him. He just didn't have a good time in Cardiff for whatever reason. But if you look at who we signed last time, yeah. Brayford, Theophile Cateran, Odom Wingy, Medell, Kolka, uh, Simon Morris, Goalie, that was about £30 million. Yeah. Kolka was a marquee signing, Medell was a marquee signing. We've probably arguably had a better all-round transfer window now 
and we've spent not too dissimilar amounts of so. money. And I think the, 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 there's, there's been no disruption to the squad in no. the same way that perhaps the previous, uh, our previous well, running you know, parachuting in these big sizes exactly. such as you know, Medell and Cornelius would have been a cost shock for them. And Kolka was a name at that point. Bear in mind, he was an England international. Yeah. He was touted to be the next centre back for, and now he's at Dundee. Yeah, Gary was a uh, was a cult hero. Yeah. All around the all around the globe to Chileans everywhere. And now he's playing in um. Is it Turkey? Is it Besiktas? Besiktas with um, Alvaro Negredo, who we almost yes. signed to... Depending Seems on a bizarre one that would go... Uh, would be the antithesis of the kind of side yeah. one was looking for. But yeah, I think, I think in summary, I think it's... it's to been, sum up... To sum up, in conclusion, Daddy, um, we have had... Uh, we have had an effective transfer window that will uh, imbue our team with a good sense of competition in every position and prepare us for life beyond the Premier League. Could you sum up the transfer window in noise? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> right, Champa Champa of the Week. The jingle for Champa Champa of the Week. Do we have a jingle for Champa Champa of the Week? Um, I, can't I can't remember. But if there's no, we can just leave this bit. We'll just leave this bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, an old favourite, Champa Champa of the Week. We've got three nominees for Champ, mm-hmm. three nominees for Chump. Of the week, I came up with the nominees. I will give the rationale. It's your turn to vote. Excellent. So, Champ, let's start with. Should we start with Champ or we start with Champ? Let's start with. Let's let's start on a negative. Finish with a positive. So let's right. start with Champ. Let's start on Champ of the week. So I've got three nominations here. A few are more existential than the others. Great. As much as the world doesn't crisis. love a bit of existentialism. So the first Champ of the week is everyone's favourite referee, Craig Pawson. Nice. Now, how does that link to Cardiff, I hear you cry, say it. How does that link to Cardiff, Ben? <laughs> Hi, Gary. Um, Craig Pawson is our referee for Saturday. Um, he'll be refereeing our first home game back in the Premier League against Newcastle. It was announced today. It is Wednesday. Um, at the weekend just gone, he embroiled himself in some controversy at Molyneux. Wow. Molyneux? Molyneux. Two controversies. The first being the sending off of Phil Jagielka. Was it yes. sending off? In, in today's football, yes. Maybe 10 Felt years ago. Felt a bit ago. harsh. Felt a bit harsh. I don't think it was malicious. It was reckless. Lost control. Lost control. So I can understand why he was sent off, but also as a, as a centre-half who loves a challenge, I would argue that it was a, maybe a yellow at best. Mm-hmm. And then, did you notice where the free kick was taken from? I did not. The foul was probably seven or eight yards behind where the free kick was taken from. Okay. Now that, uh, that's basics in football, isn't it? He's, uh, it's, a, it's a schoolboy error, mate. Schoolboy error. I, I put him in here because I didn't want to be too harsh on Cardiff. <laughs> so he's, he's the number one nominee for Great. the week. The second is the numpty who threw the coins. Oh, numpty. I numpty. mean, every club has their ideas. Yes. Every club, you know, I've been to many away ends. I've been to West Ham in the home end. I've been to uh, Wembley with Tottenham fans just to, you know, watch football. Um, and I truly believe that every club has their idiots, but none seem to show themselves up any more than on the big stage than Cardiff fans. And it's our first away game of the Premier League, and some people throw some coins on the pitch. Yeah, two yeah. coins maybe, two numpties. I, th- I was, I was, I was there. Um, and at first, I thought it was a chewing gum. Oh. Um, and I thought, ah, how did he get such velocity? Or she? Yeah. How did they get such velocity on that piece of? Gum. 
Uh, and then I obviously realised I was being an idiot and it was actually a coin. And it's it's not what you really want to see. I get that I get that there was a little bit of overexcitement and a little bit of t- people were a bit annoyed. Yeah, but you can get overexcited over and have a few too many beers. Exactly. Like getting overexcited and thinking I need to throw a coin at someone. I'm not else. condoning it. I know you're not I'm condoning just, it. I'm just I just you know, I just think it it's just a stupid decision and when there are children in the crowd and they look up to, to see their role models and they see that sort of thing going on and they're going to normalise that behaviour yeah. so it's the sort of thing that just needs to get stamped out very very I, I, I think more of it <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking I'm joking and then my final chump of the week is Twitter um, in the week that you know in the transfer window week and then after the last week's game there's been a lot of an increasingly split fan base on Twitter of Cardiff City fans who are happy to go with the flow and just can't believe they're in the Premier League mm-hmm. to the Cardiff City fans who think that we haven't spent anywhere near enough, we haven't got a hope in hell and that Warnock has already failed at the first hurdle. And I just think uh, now more than ever, we're back in the Premier League, we just need to be one as a, a fan base. Which is never going to be the case it's Twitter, for God's sake. And if you went on there and said that Neil Warnock is a Cardiff manager. Someone, someone would find that tweet and tell you that you're actually a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, so, true. So there are the three options. Okay. Pawson, the number yeah. you threw the coins, Twitter. Okay. Um, I think I've got a feeling who you're going to go for, but I'll let you so, decide. I'll t- I'll take you through my rationale then. Go on, in part. So it feels a bit unfair to label Twitter as chump of the week because Twitter is merely the medium via which people vent their fury. I think. If it weren't for Twitter, people would probably still be doing it on forums, mm-hmm. or in fact, in a different medium altogether. So for that reason, I'm out on Twitter. Well then, um, Jack Dorsey, you lit a fight another week. Oh, yes. We'll Dorsey about that. Hello! Um, Craig Pawson, again, it's going to be a hard no from me, based on the fact that it had little relevance on Cardiff City at that point in time mm-hmm. it's you know it's poor refereeing and I cannot abide by poor refereeing but we can maybe add him back onto the list next week if he has another shocker at the CCS so for those reasons it has to be the numpty who threw dem coins Ooh. boo you Could boo you yourself Trump of the week a nameless numpty, we will find you and Gary Medine will make you do stretches. Oh, nobody wants to be stretched by Medine. <laughs> he loves his stretches. Right, let's end on the positive then. Yes. Champ of the week. Yeah. Three, three nominees for champ of the week. Hit me, you filthy shit. Right, Neil Etheridge. Neil Etheridge obviously signed last season from Walsall, um, uh, came into the team and I think he had... Uh, an inauspicious start to the season, mm-hmm. but throughout the year he grew into his you know number one status and became probably one of our most consistent performers over last season. Got a record for number of clean sheets. Yeah, yeah. Started the season with a penalty save, mm-hmm. which was a fantastic penalty save. Guessed the right way, turned it around the post. I think you can't argue with that. And he also became the first Filipino player to play in the Premier League, which. I think for himself is an incredible milestone, but for the club, it puts Cardiff City on the global stage like we've never really been before, because I think I'm right in saying that Neil Etheridge has more Twitter followers and Instagram followers than the club does itself. He's that much of a kind of focal point of, of Asian football. 
Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, second one is Sol Bamba. Yes, he's not a mid central midfielder. He might not have had the best game, but he finally made his Premier League debut. I think when you think of Sol Bamba, you know that he's played at Leeds, he's played at Leicester, he's played in the highest level in Turkey and then in France, but he's never played in the Premier League, which seems almost a bit too good to be true. I think he, he I would assume that he had spent a couple of months in the Premier League at some point or made a couple of games. Played for PSG. Exactly. They should be in the Premier League. Played for Hibernian. He did. A transponsible over in Turkey. Wow. But I just think it's... It's testament to him that at the age of, I think he's 31, 32, he's yes. made his Premier League debut and he's finally, you know, uh, for a, in a country where he's played a lot of his football, he's finally reached that kind of top level. Better than Van Dijk. Which Van Dijk? Virgil. Yes, not Dick, Dick Van, Van Dijk. Dijk. Nobody's better than Dick Van Dijk. In my Dijk. head, I, the first person Shrap I went to... time, Mary Poppins, let's the, jump into the picture. The first person I went to in my head was Raphael van der Vaart. Wow. I don't even know that why. That is a warped consciousness. And then the third champ of the week, and this is just a bit of fun for me, is Josh Murphy doing a bicycle. I mean, there's not many Premier League players out there who will um, attempt a bicycle kick on their debut no and I think we should be pleased that Josh Murphy did that and he's got the kind of he um, had the lovely thighs to carry it off as he well. does have the lovely, lovely, thighs. lovely thighs and I think he's just got the, the balls to do that oh, thighs and balls um, if you do pick Neil Etheridge I've got another little factoid about him So um, well I feel like you're weighting it now in favour of me I can say the factoid either way it's just that's true well I'll take you to my rationale then go on um Solbamba. So I can't give it to as much as I love the boy. As much as I love the lad, the leggy, beautiful man. Um He's a great lad. He's a great lad. It's it I can't pick him on the strength of making his Premier League debut because several players made their Premier League de- debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, also I understand that. He didn't have a very good game. So it, it it would feel like I would be I was being disingenuous to my beliefs if I were to award it to Sol. I understand. I understand, Adam. Josh Murphy, uh, as wonderful as it was to see him do his failed bicey um, It wasn't failed, it almost went in. Did it go in? It didn't, almost failed. Um Ergo, I would struggle to award him the champ of the week. Um, and so for those reasons, and the strength of the Etheridge argument alone, it was very Etheriginal, um, <laughs> it has to be it has to be big kneeling goals. Big kneeling goals. Hit me with your factoid, Biarch. Uh, he is the... Uh, what is the actual factoid? He's become the first player since Alan McGregor in 2013 to save a penalty on his Premier League debut. Which, I don't know, it's only five years, but it's still an interesting fact, and I think I don't know whether I'm applauding Etheridge or the fact itself. Oh, you can applaud both. Lovely stuff. And that's Champ and Champ of the Week. Boom. I can't remember the jingle to end it either, so we'll just carry on. Champ and Champ, Champ and Champ. Who's going to win? No one knows. That's why we talk through it. Then we decide it's Champ and Champ of the Week. Hey, hey. Do you want me to keep that in? Yeah. Cool. Right. Uh, Your favourite feature and mine, it's Kumas Corner. Yes. Now... You suggested this feature, Adam. I did, I did. Um, and then I, I want did. you to explain to all our listeners, yeah, um, just exactly, especially the rasping yeah. dog. Mm-hmm. Rasping dog. Uh, I want you to explain to him yeah. what your thinking is. So my thinking is that it would be nice to introduce uh, an element of uh, weekly nostalgia into proceedings. Um, and yes, it may have started out as Kumas Corner in honour of 
the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Kumas, who is a favourite cult hero of both Ben and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Next week it might turn into Baddeley Corner. It might turn into Bellamy Corner. Thorna. Thorna. That would be one. Peter Thorna. Uh, Ernie Corner. Any Ern- Shauna. You're putting me to shame here. Uh, any one of those so it's just a chance to have a little uh, walk down memory lane talking about some of our m- memories of our favourite heroes of yesteryear so would you say well let's talk about Jason Kumas yes would you say that Kumas's first season that 2005-2006 season when uh, was it 2005? yeah it was 2005-2006 when Dave Jones brought him in on loan yeah is that the best season of football you've ever seen from an individual player? Playing for Cardiff City, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Obviously playing for Cardiff City. Yeah. Um, you know, it's difficult to argue against Messi and Ronaldo over the last few years, but uh, neither of those have played for Cardiff City. Well, I have, I'll come to that point. Later. Okay, great. Um, so, I would say, absolutely, that, that season where on his debut he came off the bench against Leeds. That goal. And scored that worldly uh, running from his own half or just on the halfway line. Yeah, it was kind of like, I think it was the halfway line and he was on the right and he cut in yes. on his left foot. And it was, you knew as soon as he picked up that ball he had one thing in his mind. I'm going to scare a girl. Uh, and he did and he had that, he had that wonderful, he had that wonderful sort of way of shooting where he sort of hit across the ball Yeah, and would just get that sort of, that, that, that whip, whip on, on it. it. Uh, he should have patented it yeah yeah because uh, he would always score goals like that and that, that I mean that season was just a wonderful season the amount of great goals that he scored oh, I mean, games that he won so considering like the strength of the squad yes we had a young Joe Ledley and a young Cameron Jerome um, but other than that there wasn't there wasn't much going on in that squad Kevin Cooper sorry apologies Darren Purse Glenn Lubins yes all strong options. I think I, I think you're right. I think that season from Kumas was just it was majestic in a way that I'd never seen before from a footballer. I think um, in an, it's 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 almost unfortunate for him that that season came before the real onset of YouTube. Because if ever I've seen a season that was a YouTube oh, season, like you it. see all these compilations of football, you know, like Alvaro Negredo assists 2017-18. I don't think. Anyone could have. You had footage of all those goals now. Yeah. Some of them you could. I think he scored that goal against Crew where he ran it from his halfway line, about talking about four or five players, cut across himself to put it into the top corner. Yes. Those free kicks against Leeds and I think it was Macclesfield at home where he went, instead of going over the wall and onto that side, he kind of went around the wall into the keeper's yeah. kind of weaker side than he'd anticipate. And it was just. I, I think. I. I said to you when we went to we went to, me and Adam went to watch Barcelona play uh, in November Barcelona. and we were really excited about seeing Lionel Messi and I was a bit disappointed because he, he, Lionel Messi is kind of a YouTube footballer in mm. the sense that you expect everything he he does to be magnificent but that season with Kumas was the epitome of that because mm-hmm. everything Kumas did was extraordinary majestic. majestic he was just that season in particular it was just the majesty of his play and then the um just kind of absolutely zero Fs given in terms of defensive <laughs> yeah it was just beautiful 
one track mind. Yeah. And, uh, you, we knew we weren't going to get relegated. We knew we weren't going to challenge for the playoffs. So it was just to, to watch that and, and just get the joy from his performances week in week out. It was and great. How much do you attribute that to Dave Jones as well? Just kind of because Dave yeah. Jones got that with players, didn't he? I think for if sure. You, if you see the players that he had over his his tenure at the club, he got the best out of Bothroy. Yeah. Um, he got the best out of Chopra. He got the best out of McCormack for a couple of seasons. Yeah. He got Whitting a lot him. out of Whittingham. Yeah. Um, even kind of defensively, he turned Roger Johnson into a Premier League player. He Lee Naylor. Lee Naylor. He turned Kerry Gilbert into a League of Ireland yeah. player. Um, would you say a lot of that was down to Dave Jones just letting him play? Or? Sort of inadvertently, yeah. yeah. I think the fact that Dave Jones clearly gave no instructions to his team other than go out and play, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. And I still look back on the Dave Jones era as my favourite era of recent times, just with the fluidity of our attacking play by signing this kind of latent talent and then just imbuing it with the freedom to play mm-hmm. how, how they wanted to play. Um, it was wonderful. And yeah, absolutely. It was, I don't doubt for a second that it was the lack of instruction from, from, helped from Dave Jones that just helped Kumas essentially waltz around the pitch doing what he wanted for a season, scoring fantastic goals. And then, of course, he came back for that second season. He did. Obviously wasn't as successful as the first, but those goals at Doncaster. The Doncaster goals. That free uh, kick and that that run and finish. I mean, I know we we, we didn't ultimately make the playoff final, but how different that season could have been if we hadn't won that game at Doncaster or... Yeah, absolutely. It was sort of, it gave us hope at the time. And I think... Ultimately, yes, it was a disappointing season for us and for Kumas in particular. But he was plagued by injuries. You could tell by that point in his career his head was no longer in the game. Uh, he was uh, he was the kind of footballer that, from I think it, it was mentioned in um, it was mentioned in perhaps Gerard's autobiography or another uh-huh. Liverpool's autobiography that uh, Gerard certainly would play with uh, Kumas as, as youngsters and they play against each other quite a lot. And Gerard sort of admitted that he was one of the most talented players he played against and that Kumas could play him off the park in terms of talent, but he knew that he would absolutely shit out of it as soon as you put in a talent yeah, yeah. and then his head would be gone for the game. He was such a such a confidence player, such a psychological player, that I think by that time in his career, he just sort of, he kind of signed off a little bit. He was phoning yeah. it in, uh, but still he gave us those two wonderful moments at Doncaster. And I just... I have a vivid recollection of uh, a game towards the back end of that season. Our squad was ridiculous. Oh, I God. That, that ended, front kind of six yeah, we had. Was we like, ended what, a Bothroy, match. Bellamy, McCormack, Chopra, Whittingham. Um, we had uh, Burke. Burke. I always forget Chris Burke. Obviously, Kumas was there. And then there was a game where all of those guys were on the pitch. And then Aaron Ramsey as well. Yeah, we had Ramsey went him on low, didn't yeah. we? That made that assist to Bellamy. An absurd squad, supplemented by absurd talent like Kumas. I... Do you always wonder what could have been for Kumas? Do you, I mean, he had, the, he had the ability to play at for the top sure. level, didn't he? But the application... That's it. I think, I think ability-wise, and it's a similar story with the likes of, of Gaza, this mercurial talent. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe it's great that you can sort of you know, l- lament the fact that they never quite achieved the heights that they should have based on their potential because there's something also quite sort of beautiful and romantic about the fact that uh, they were flash players who yeah. just didn't have that kind of hard work and application and that sort of work ethic to, to reach the very top like the likes of you know the phenomenons like Ronaldo and Messi so you're saying that Kumas was as good as Ronaldo I'm saying Kumas will probably go down as the greatest talent of all time and that's that 
Bloody nailed it, mate. Well done. Yeah. Um, we do have a, a lull from the Ninian bit. Have you got any Cardiff City related jokes, or should oh, we just? I think uh, I think uh, I've got nothing that springs to mind. There we are then. Great. Uh, I think we've made enough puns for today, anyway. So that's it. View from the Ninian. Back in the can. Back in the can. How do you think this first episode went? Let's reflect on our performance. I would describe it as uh, similar to the to the Bournemouth game. Uh, poor start. We were mm-hmm. overrun by the. By the challenge in front of us, yeah. we weren't, you know, we weren't quite firing all cylinders in the way that, that perhaps we'd have liked to. But then certainly in the second half, we we came out strong. Yeah. We gave it a good go, but ultimately we were defeated. And that's where we're going now to be defeated. Absolutely. Uh, man of the match. Man of the. Uh, it's just, it was a strong effort from. Uh, <laughs> it was a strong effort from Neil Warner. Yeah, I think Neil Warner. Did. I was going to give it to Guy Medine because he came a long way just to to pop in for a bit. True, but so did Neil. So did Neil. I, um, he's got he's driving his tractor down back to Cardiff now. Maybe they'll meet on next week's podcast. That would be weird, wouldn't it? And Neil met Gary. Uh, so when are we do this again? A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, mate. A couple Let's of do weeks. This. So yeah, that's the first view from an Indian back in the can. You might as well, mate as well. Certainly. How are you, man? Gary's back. You might as well have all. You might as well. I've really <laughs> lost the ability to speak. You might well have seen. But The View From Ninian is back with a brand new website as well, uh, viewfromninian.com. We're trying to be a content platform for all things Cardiff City that um, is relatively positive, relatively open, and kind of giving you stuff that um, other news outlets might not. Um, we're a bit fun, we're having a laugh, there's a good team behind it. Um, this podcast will try and come out every couple of weeks. Um, we've got content going out regularly, so if you don't already follow, there's two Twitter accounts. There's this one, which is View From The Nin, that's mainly for the podcast. And if you want to follow um, for the uh, news website and everything else, it's VFTN Indian. So it's VFTN Indian. Just give it a follow, get involved, and um, enjoy what we've got coming up this season. Here, here. Thanks, Adam. Um, and that's it from us. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. That is the end of the podcast. When you're having fun, doesn't time go fast? Ben is tall and his hair is somewhat floppy Adam is a man who is very rarely sloppy They were talking rubbish on the view from the Ninian Please download the next one And follow them on Twitter and Facebook